I know this will come as a huge surprise, but I'm not fully into Christmas yet, so I'd like to go to Acts chapter 15. A dispute came up in the church, and I want to look this morning at how they dealt with it. So certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the believers, unless you are circumcised, according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. This brought Paul and Barnabas into a sharp dispute and debate with them. So Paul and Barnabas were appointed along with some other believers to go up to Jerusalem to see the apostles and elders about this question. So there's two different sides of this opinion, right? And the challenge becomes who's right or who isn't, or, you know, a lot of times when things like that happen, we would like to just avoid, right? Just ignore it and it'll go away. Or there's the thing of, well, they're both right. Mm, Not necessarily. You know, it's, uh, that's polite, but it doesn't, it doesn't work very well. Um, the other part of this that um, touches my heart in some ways is that they go seeking a decision from someone else. Whereas I think particularly in my early adult life, maybe through insecurities or whatever, I, I was afraid of revealing weakness that way. And so even asking someone else about a situation would, in a sense, reveal that I didn't know. You know, and when you're a pastor, you need to know. Well, at least that's what you hope. But it doesn't always work that way. And so just to see that these guys said, okay, we're going to go get some outside help for this, pretty important. Because it also meant that they were willing to listen and had to respond to what was given. I'm assuming it wasn't just getting another voice or more advice and then not, not doing anything with it. All of us kind of hate that, right? What's your opinion? You give it. And then you go see that they just, well, thank you for your input. And, uh, you know, I'm going to go talk to someone else until I finally hear what I want. Um, We've all run into that, and there's kind of a disgust and just going, well, let's, don't waste my time next time, okay? Or, you know, there have been situations where I've looked at people dating others and going, I sure wish you'd ask for some help, because your ability to choose is just messed up, you know, and you ask me, I'm going to tell you, just saying, uh, <laughs> but we've, we all have our blind areas, or we have areas that we haven't figured out. And these guys went to another source. Sometimes there's a pride in us that says, well, God speaks to me by his spirit, and if I pray long enough and hard enough, I'll get the answer. Maybe God's saying, you really need other people, and I'm, I'm waiting for you to go ask them. So we don't get to always choose, 
which answers we're going to get and which we don't. There are times when it's completely appropriate to go seek out other advice or counsel. So anyway, that's... They went to the church, and uh, along the way, they, they told stories of the wonderful things that had been happening. When they came to Jerusalem, it says they were welcomed by the church and the apostles and elders to whom they had reported everything God had done through them. When some of the believers who belonged to the party of Pharisees stood up and said, the Gentiles must be circumcised and required to keep the law of Moses, this brought the apostles and elders, and they met to consider this question. Now listen, these were believers making this declaration, right? It's not just, you know, you don't have the, the opportunity of just saying, oh, well, it's people who don't really know Christ that are making these statements. No, these are believers, and this is an in-house conflict, so to speak. So after much discussion, Peter got up and addressed them. So here's the one who was introducing the Gentiles to the faith, right? He's the first one. He was a, the early leader. And so he has a right to be heard. And it, he needs to be heard. He says, God made a choice among you that the Gentiles might hear from my lips the message of the gospel. So it, Peter's getting up and saying, God made this decision, and the gospel went out through me, you know, from our midst, and showed that he accepted them by giving the Holy Spirit to them just as he did to us. So Peter's making a declaration, these people came into faith through the word, but they, you know, they hadn't done any of the, the law things that we're used to. They hadn't fulfilled any of the rules, and yet God brought them in. He did not discriminate between us and them, for he purified their hearts by faith. And this is a, a crucial understanding for the New Testament church, that it wasn't about following a code so that you might be embraced. It's, it's like saying, you don't clean your act up, and then find God. But you respond to the work of Jesus Christ by faith, and that's what gets you started. Now, in the same way, you don't continue by trying to just clean yourself up, even though that's a part of our endeavors in Christ to become like Him. We don't put the cart before the horse, but we also don't you know, get rid of the horse and just try to pull it ourselves. The power and movement of this is, is a result of God's work and His Holy Spirit. And so, you know, Peter's getting up and saying, these people were brought into faith. He goes, now why do you try to test God by putting on their necks a yoke that we couldn't bear ourselves? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that we are saved just as they are. So Peter's make a very strong statement saying this salvation came by grace, God's favor. It didn't come by us doing things. Next, uh, it says the whole assembly became silent and they listened to Paul and Barnabas telling about the signs and wonders. 
So you had the introduction, Peter brings that. Now you have the testimony of what God has been doing to the Gentiles through Paul and Barnabas, you know, where they're making these declarations and saying God had done marvelous signs and wonders among the Gentiles through them. So here's the testimony of the working of God taking place and what the Spirit has been doing in, in regard to the Gentile believers. As much as I would like to, I would like for us to have all that we need of the Spirit and to, in a sense, be able to say, we don't necessarily need to hear from others. God will give us everything. We have the Scripture. We have the Holy Spirit. What more is needed? But there are times when you walk into other groups and you say, they've got something I don't have. They've been having encounters with God that I haven't experienced yet. They have an understanding of the Scripture that's not ours yet. And it's important to be willing to humble ourselves enough to go say, I need to sit under that for a while. I need to discover what's there. I need to allow the Lord to speak to me through them. And so in some ways, what, the, the, uh, what Paul and Barnabas are declaring is that, you know, to this church that has been well established through the Jewish system, he's saying there are things taking place that you wouldn't believe. There are amazing things taking place without people doing the things that we've done. And so what we have to understand is that there's a cultural understanding that we have that isn't necessarily health in reality. I was sharing with someone this morning one of the benefits when I went to the Philippines with Michael is that, you know, I'm bent on getting stuff done. And so we were going to pour some steps and do some concrete work, and that's my area of expertise. And so I watched these guys on rickety ladders. Two guys are holding probably two chairs stacked on top of each other. And there are six or seven guys jabbering around them, and they're just having a great time. They're getting a little work done. But they had an understanding of community that I didn't have. They had an understanding of, of the need for relationship that went way beyond anything I discovered. I've always been trained, you go to work, you work. In fact, when you're in most work settings, uh, talking is not really encouraged, right? It's like, why are you wasting time? Get with it. Stop chatting and do the job. You know, you hear that over and over, and, and it becomes a part of your life and focus. And so you get distressed when others are chatting because they're wasting time. And yet there are cultures where they're going, no, being together is more important. We'll get the job done. It just may not happen today. Why does it have to happen today? Well, not sure, but it just has to. It was, it was one of those benefits, you know, to see that and realize, I have a cultural understanding that maybe isn't rooted in health. There are other things that I, I remember my brother and sister-in-law went over and, and uh, were missionaries in Germany and planted a church. They were there 16 years, I think. And uh, my sister-in-law came back and went, you know, over there... 
there are some things that they do that would horrify us. But when I wore red lipstick, it was like I was declaring myself Jezebel. And she, she goes, I kept wearing it for a while. You know, but what was being the challenge was a cultural understanding. And it was more important at that point for her to conform than it was to just know. Christians can do this. But it's, it's one of those things that we chafe at because we are fiercely independent. And we are very hesitant to want to really, truly listen to what others have to say. Anyway, Paul and Barnabas, um, they, they tell the stories. And it can't be denied that God has done incredible things without the structure that everyone else is used to. Finally... James, who at that point was leading the church, stands up, and it's his turn. And he goes and says, brothers, Simon, listen to me. Simon described to us how God first intervened and chose the Gentiles. But he goes on, the words of the prophets are in agreement with this. He's bringing in the biblical argument. So the, the three stages that we're looking at Going and getting advice from others, or direction. Listening to what has the Spirit, what is the Spirit doing currently? You know, what, what is the Spirit saying? And then finally, the anchoring of it with the Scripture saying, this is consistent with the Scripture. So this is an area, even though it may not be our experience till now, but because it is validated through the Scripture, we can embrace this. So he goes on to say that you know, the prophecy had been made regarding David and his offspring and David's tent, that it would be restored, but also the rest of mankind may seek the Lord, even all the Gentiles who bear my name. So there is a, a, an acknowledgement this group was prophesied about years and years and years ago. But we just didn't see the, the fulfilling of that or the application of it until now. So he goes, it's my judgment, therefore. So he's making a decision. They're, they've come to a conclusion. They're saying, we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. He said, instead, we should write to them, telling them, abstain from food polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from meat strangled, animals, and blood. The law of Moses has been preached in every city from the earliest times and read in the synagogues on every Sabbath. What we need to note is that there are two vastly different cultures. Both are embracing Christ, and there's a need to respect one another. And so, you know, the Jews are being told, you cannot put every single rule on these folks. Even though you are choosing to live under this system, yet you cannot call them into all the rules that you have. But at the same time, they're telling the Gentiles, you need to understand, our whole system was built around sacrifice unto the Lord, 
And for you to sacrifice to an idol, that's abhorrent. And furthermore, the whole thing with the sexual immorality, he says it just can't be when you come to Christ. And so they're only laying down two rules, basically. Later on, Paul's going to get into it, and he's going, you know, our, our communion, what is it? It's the body of Christ, and it's the blood of Christ that we're recognizing. It's, it is acknowledgement and built off of the sacrificial system. And so he's saying, you know, for you to be eating meat with blood in it, it's like you're participating in communion, but of a profane nature. That's how it, it appears to us. I'm going to get into this a little bit later because he goes into it fairly extensively in 1 Corinthians 10. And I don't think I'm going to get this chapter done, but we're going to go at least part way. Uh, so they take the decision back to the church. They say, well, some went out without our authorization, but here's what we're asking you to do. Uh, and he, he does discuss the, the two issues of, of the... the um, eating meat sacrificed to idols, and sexual immorality. You know, you, you chew on it and go, why these two things? But you, you acknowledge that in creation and in our temporal lives, those are two essentials. I mean, procreation is essential, right? I'm not just saying sex is essential. You might think that anyway, but... You know, procreation for sure, right? And yet, it's easily to get that perverted. In the same way, eating is essential. But it's easily perverted. It got brought into different forms of worship, particularly in, in pagan idolatry. Both the sexuality and the eating. And, you know, it got twisted. But it's this thing of recognizing that we take things that are essentials and misused become sick, okay? So they're going after this and saying, you know, you need to just put this under God's hand. I want to uh, jump over to Corinthians because he really goes after it in a, in, in a powerful way. 1 Corinthians 10. My dear friends, flee idolatry. I speak to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. Is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks participation in the blood of Christ? And is not the bread we break a participation in the body of Christ? Because there is one loaf, and we who are many are one body, for we share one loaf. So he's saying these meals that we have together, and it's really not quite the same as... When we participate in communion, it's not this sterile cracker and this little thing of juice, but they were, they were sharing meals, and there was a thanksgiving going on when they would drink and, and acknowledge this is just like us participating in, in the sacrificial blood of Christ, sacrificed for us. When we eat, it's just like us eating of the body of Christ and acknowledging that we're all part of one body when we're sharing this meal together. So he's going, you, you can't be doing that and then doing this other, drinking of the, or participating in the body of Christ and then the body of demons. You know, you can't be sacrificing and drinking to demons and drinking to Christ. It, it, it just doesn't work. 
You can't drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of demons too. You can't have part of the Lord's table and the table of demons as well. So he's just, he's drawing it out and just saying, this doesn't work. You can't, you can't have one foot in the world and one foot in heaven. You can't do the things that are demonic and then the things of God and just assume that your life is okay. You can't, you can't be walking in the profane and then in the spiritual and saying, no problem. We wrestle with the same things today, right? We wrestle with the same issues of wanting in our flesh to live the profane and then to say before the Lord, yeah, but it's all good. You, 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 know, you made the sacrifice. We're all okay. And Paul's going, it doesn't work that way. Make your choice. Make your choice. Here's where he goes with it. I have the right to do anything. You say, not everything is beneficial. Okay, you, I have the right to do anything. You say, but not everything is beneficial. You say, I have the right to do anything, but not everything is constructive. So he's, he's laying out two major ideas for us to grab onto. Whatever we do, there's a filtering, so to speak, that goes on and we say, is this beneficial and is it constructive? Is this building my life in Christ? Is this a, a positive thing or is this destroying my life? These are good words to tie into for all of our life, even now. He's saying, yeah, there's a freedom in Christ that comes to us that's amazing. And we've seen through the Gentiles, they're doing things we didn't dream that could be done and gotten away with, so to speak. But he's coming back and he's saying, build your life on what's beneficial and what's constructive. And he goes on to say, no one should seek their own good, but the good of others. Now, here's an understanding that we're not used to embracing, right? He says, what you do has influence on others, so why would you do something that might destroy them? There are times when even though you know it's okay, you are going to choose to do something different so that you wouldn't cause a stumbling block to someone else. We're, we're going, wait, 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 wait. Freedom. Let's, let's talk freedom. Yeah, we're talking freedom. What's beneficial and what's constructive? What keeps from destroying others? You want to bring glory to God? You want to build your life in Him? Then you concentrate on these things. And so there's a community effect in this that we're not used to embracing as Americans, right? We just gone, don't put your stuff on me. I can do what I want. Don't try to tell me what to do. I have freedom in God. Paul's going, he would fight for the freedom, but then he's also making this declaration, don't misuse it. Because you still have to answer to God over this. 
you still bow your knee to him and you, you're trying to bring as many with you as possible. So why would you do the profane if you know that it's going to harm someone else? Or why would you do the things that are considered profane would be a better way of saying that. Now he goes on and says, eat anything sold in the meat market without raising question of conscience. Don't be asking them how they cooked it. Eat it. <laughs> He's going, why give yourself needless pain in this? You know, so he's, he's basically saying, what you don't know won't hurt you in this case because it's not going to offend you in the Lord. You're not going to be violating your conscience. But he says, he goes on to say, if somebody brings this up and says this was meat sacrifice, they would sacrifice and then they would sell the meat in the marketplace. And if, if somebody brings it up, Essentially, he's saying, this is obviously a conscience issue for them. So you better back off in that moment. You're better off not doing this. Because you don't want to hurt them. It's not as if he's saying, if you get truly spiritual enough, you won't do any of these things. He's almost arguing the opposite of saying... You know, if you have the full understanding of your freedom in Christ, you have a freedom that goes much wider than you anticipated. But you still bring your life under uh, control and restriction, partially with those you're with. He goes on and he says, I'm referring to the other person's conscience, not yours. For why is my freedom being judged by another's conscience? If I take part in the meal with thankfulness, why am I denounced for something I thank God for? So he has an openness to his life that just says, man, if I'm giving thanks to the Lord, what's the big deal? Except that if it's destroying another. He says, I, I don't want to go down that road. Whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God. For I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. Now here's a, an incredible thought tied into this. He lists the Jews, the Greeks, and the church of God, right? Right? We would tend to want to isolate that and say, well, don't do anything that offends another Christian. He's taking it wider. He's saying, don't do anything that would offend the Jews. Don't do anything that would offend the Greeks. Those are people outside the church. So he's, he's looking at the, the effect of his life, not just in the church, but outside the church, and he's saying, Try to walk a life that draws many into salvation. Try to walk a life that will be honored by all. Try to do the things that aren't just seeking your own benefit and gain, but actually have impact on all those that you know. The next chapter he starts with, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. 
So he's just saying, you know what? You can look at my life and you can follow that. And it's going to take you in the direction of Christ. So, you know, we, we walk through these things as individuals, and there are the two extremes, right? At times we get caught up in law. I mean, it, it's, it's even things like, did you read through your Bible this year? It is a good thing, right? It, it, for those that have done it, it, it's very valuable. But when you try to put that onto someone else and say, you've got to do this, you're probably stepping out of line. It's easy for me. Why weren't you in church last Sunday? I really had something for you. No. <laughs> you know, that... As important it is and valuable to be with the body of Christ, it's, again, a law that we can lay down and just say, it has to be done this way. And yet, in the Lord, we probably are overstepping our bounds. And we can take that into the dietary things, just, you know... Um, <laughs> Don't even go there, right? I mean, for your generation, the fact that we use styrofoam cups can be very offensive, right? Deal with it. No, <laughs> we're working actually to get away from that. But it's, uh, it's those kind of things that we, we put these laws on, and yet that's not the essence of the gospel. We're saved by faith. It's a gift of grace given to us, and it continues in that. But even as we embrace that, we recognize we want to do all in our power to glorify God. And there are times when we are going to restrict our activities simply that others can flourish and benefit and grow. And do we have the freedom there? Well, in some ways, yes. But we make these choices in the Lord that say, I'm not going there simply that I can benefit others' lives. What a powerful thing to be willing to go get advice and direction from others, to look and say, what is the Spirit doing? I want to be a part of that. And then finally to say, the Scripture, I'm sure, has something to say here. Let's find out what he says. Thank you for your word, Lord, that speaks life to us. Help us to take these words and use them for your glory. Amen. I'd like to take this just a step further in this moment. Um, in the issue of law and rules... Let's ask the Lord if there is something that um, we've been trying to put on the backs of others that really is inappropriate or that we've been trying to put on ourselves that he's not asking us to do and just say, Lord, uh, would you reveal that in this moment and help us to understand? And the other end of that, of course, is 
Are there freedoms that we've been taking for ourselves out of our own selfishness, so to speak, or our own fleshly desires that God's asking us to put restrictions on that others might flourish? You know, it's, it's really easy to start seeing things like that when you're a parent because <laughs> I'll guarantee you change behaviors so that you don't mess up those kids, so to speak. And yet, uh, it goes much wider than that. So let's ask the Lord to reveal both issues of law and issues of freedom that he might want to speak to our hearts on, that he would want to tinker with, so to speak, and, and turn what we've been doing. Now, also, I'd like to pray for God's blessing on you. I'll remind you, there's a meal downstairs. It's the last one of this semester until after the first of the year. May your blessing rest on these, your people. May they know the fullness of favor that you intend for their lives. May they discover with joy that faith in you is sufficient, that your grace wipes away their sin. Lord, as we walk in the freedom of new life in you, I pray that you'll help us to discern when we are getting back into law and rules that really need not apply to our lives or when we are failing to put restriction on because we're glorying in uh, being able to do whatever we want. Lord, we ask that you deal with both extremes. I ask as each one goes into the community that you give them words of life to speak over others. I ask that you'll enable them to carry out the workings of your kingdom, gift them with the supernatural, I ask. Be exalted and lifted up, our Lord, we pray. 